Hey everyone and welcome to the Fidesz Club. This is episode 73B. It's a follow-up to the Brexit episode where we're going to be talking to someone from the Leave camp. Ooh, exciting. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Phileas Club. This is a, a kind of a bonus episode that's a follow-up to the one we just had a, a couple of weeks ago. We discussed the Brexit quite extensively, and um, a few of you... I'm going to introduce our, my guest in a, in, a, in a couple of minutes, but before I do... I'd like to explain what we're going to try and achieve with this episode. Um, so a few people uh, noted... Rightfully so, I think, that we were very one-sided on, on the uh, previous episode. And um, I don't think we represented the views of the Leavers camp um, quite <laughs> at all. Uh, and I was expecting to get some reactions and some um, negative reactions. And certainly there were a couple of people who sent the kind of emails that I was expecting, which were a little bit too angry for me to um, react to rationally. But the vast majority of people uh, came to the, who responded uh, on Twitter or on the site or elsewhere, uh, where I will admit that's a fault on my, on my part, I think, but were surprisingly collected and surprisingly constructive and, and saying that they were disappointed in the fact that we didn't have a, a, a lever's view and that, uh, you know, they appreciate the show, they appreciate what we did, uh, but they would have liked to have some, the, the other side's uh, opinion, even though I, I do think that I tried to play that, um, not devil's advocate, that's derog derogatory, but the, the other side uh, uh, arguments. Clearly, I don't personally um, believe it was the right choice to, to leave the EU, so it, 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 it wasn't genuine. So I think that's pretty clear. Um, it, it, the other issue, I think, was uh, the characterization we, we did of the Leavers camp um, as, and, and Gita was very emotional, and she described uh, the camp as uh, mostly racist, which I want to say up front, I really think that there is some xenophobia at play in some of the people who voted there, just like some protest votes throughout Europe are, you know, going to the right wing parties and being fueled by some xenophobia. So I don't want to say, I, I think that's a visible element of it. And I'm sure some of the people voting leave, uh, uh, are uh, represented in the views we expressed. Uh, but a lot of people, as I said, did uh, want to express the fact that it was it didn't represent everyone and, and in their views, it didn't represent them at all. Um, and I thought, I think that's a fair assessment. And uh, so I went ahead and made a little bit more of an effort uh, to try and get people. I contacted a number of people and I have to tell you, it's hard to get people, uh, maybe specifically in that, issue um, to come on the show and, and discuss this. So it, I asked a bunch of them and I, no, I'm, I'm not trying to fault anyone. I think it's a very difficult thing to come on the show and speak publicly, especially about a topic that is as hotly debated about as, as this one. Um, but yeah, I just want to say that it's, it's not easy. 
However, thankfully, and uh, thank you for waiting so patiently, Hayden. Thankfully, Hayden uh, said that he would be uh, uh, okay with coming on the show and explaining uh, what, in his view, was a, a lot of the reasons for people voting uh, leave. So that's the point where I introduce the guest. Uh, Hayden, uh, th- welcome to the show, and thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much for having me. It's, uh, it's a bit nerve-wracking, but I'll, uh, I'll do my best to put a, a, a side across that is slightly different to what we heard before. Yeah, it's no, I'm really thankful that you're willing to do it because I, I completely understand it's not an easy exercise. I mean, the people who are on the show usually are, are people who are used to speaking publicly, used to podcasting, all of this. So it's not it's not easy. So really, for, from like very sincerely, I want to thank you for this. Um, the other thing I want to say before we start talking about the Brexit thing specifically is you're sort of in a in a peculiar situation because you don't live in the UK and you haven't lived in the UK for a while, right? Correct. Five years now. So I think... No, that, I live in yeah, in that sense... Uh, you're you're kind of this is the first challenge to the image that we have about uh, the the Brexit voters, the leavers. Let's call them the leavers. Um, yeah. You're you you have an international background, highly educated. I'm or you know you're 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 definitely not the the um, image that we have of poor countryside older uh, people. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? So not too much, but uh, so so people know where you're coming from, where you are, who you are. Sure. So I'm, uh, as I said, currently from the, uh, originally from the UK. Um, I've worked in New York and I currently live in Singapore. I've been living for five years with my family. Um, we moved out here for my job, which is in IT and uh, working for, for the bank, in banks. So you're, yeah, sorry, go ahead. That's right, that's fine. Um, so you really have an, an almost like a collected opinion on this. And you're, you were telling me you're clearly on the leave side of the issue. Uh, you mentioned you didn't vote because you felt like it wasn't, you know, you're not planning on going back to the UK. Uh, so it wouldn't have been fair, I guess, um, for you to cast a vote there. Correct. Which I think is an, an admirable um, uh, way to, yeah. to do it. Well, yeah, so we, yeah, we like Singapore. We've got no intention of returning to the UK. So for me to make a vote on something that affects the UK in the way, it's go- in the way it will, I didn't particularly think that'd be good. I know my one vote wouldn't have swayed it, but I, I, I didn't think it would be right to vote on something that me or my children may have no, may have no impact on, regardless of my personal opinion on the matter. Right. And and just to be clear, I mean, uh, you're living in Singapore, but you're very much involved in, uh, you know, you, you follow the news, you speak with people, you have family in the UK. So it's not like you're completely removed from the situation. We're going to talk about the actual issues and your the, the actual views, hopefully, of, of how you see the issue of, of uh, the left, the, the leaving of the EU. Um, so, all right, let's dive into it. Uh, I, I guess I'm going to ask a few questions and feel free to expand as much as you want. But uh, the simplest one, the easiest one is you don't feel that we represented uh, at least your views. And as I said, many people said that in uh, reasoning, in, in wanting to leave the EU. So what was your your views, your reasoning, your your reasons? 
Well, I thought that the began after the after the vote was that it was all about immigration and that was the primary the primary issue. Um, I don't believe that's the case. I'm not saying it wasn't an issue. It was. But I think sovereignty is was the biggest thing for most people who voted leave. Now, that's admittedly from a lot of personal anecdotes. But this is something that uh, back when I was a bit of a politics geek, when I was 15 or 16, to be about 92, um, you know, this that was the issue then uh, regarding the EU. And that's the issue that whenever the EU has come up has been the main thing that people have talked about ever since. So from my, you know, that's my circle of, that's my world, my circle. Um, but my circle, I think, is reasonably broad. Um, so I was, you know, I was brought up in what would be called a working class, um, in a working class background. Like my father was a uh, builder, my mother was a secretary. Um, so I've, you know, I've, I've heard from that aspect. I now work in, said in banking with highly educated people, I mean, even more educated than myself. Um, you know, so I've heard that viewpoint, which is highly skewed the other way. Um, my personal view regarding the EU is a sovereignty issue. Uh, I believe that the UK being part of the EU loses some of its sovereignty. So, you know, its voting rights are di over issues that affect it are diluted. Um, like, in fact, I think it's about 17% say in, in, in the direction of the EU in terms of voting. Um, you know, the various rules and regulations that are put in place may not be the best for the UK. It may be good for Europe as a the EU as a whole, but they won't necessarily be good for the UK. And I, I'm of the opinion that taking back that sovereignty that's been uh, that's been pulled of the EU will allow the UK to be more flexible and responsive to its own needs rather than the the needs of the EU. So this is one of the things that I honestly don't really understand. Uh, I, I mean. <sighs> The sovereignty specifically, it's just an issue. There are lots of, of uh, in lots of ways, every country in Europe is making, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of its own decisions. There is some respects in which the EU supersedes it. But my impression is that it mostly has to do with the single market. And the single market includes the, the it's not just that, but the main problem that is pointed uh, to when uh, so actually let me tell you uh, and i don't know if you've seen it but i've watched the brexit movie uh on youtube which is kind of ridiculous uh it's kind of a youtubers conspiracy uh uh you know they're all out to have you seen the brexit movie on youtube I have not no. Okay, I, it's not something I. Because the the it might be just a, a very small minority of people that think like that, but it 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 self aggrandizes the UK and talks about how in the modern world it, the um the the sovereignty it talks about sovereignty a lot, but sovereignty has been taken away from what was the great British Empire, and if only we weren't part of the EU we could be so much greater and we could go back to what that forgotten time when we were actually awesome when now we have issues here there and there's this ridiculous uh, uh long list of regulations for your pillows and for your coffee and for your you know these kinds of things 
I I don't understand how getting out of the 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 you know what would that sovereignty bring back? Maybe because you don't even have the the common uh, currency. So even the the fiscal the 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 monetary policy you can do independently as opposed to the other countries in the EU. You have the most the most exceptions from the EU rules already. How would that all of a sudden make it? How much do you think it would make it better? And would it outweigh the benefits that you're getting from the EU? I mean, clearly you think it does, but I don't understand how sovereignty is such a an important. Uh, uh, sorry, I'm sort of rambling already. I feel it's been blown out of proportion. Don't clearly you don't. But what would it make better? Well, there are certain things that yeah. You know, The, U- the UK, I think any country, but I'll speak just from the UK, any country needs, in my opinion, to be able to make the decisions. So in a democracy, I believe that the, the electorate should be, uh, the, the politicians should be directly people. Um, the EU dilutes that. So so the UK, for instance, there are certain rules that you know have been agreed upon, the UK being part of the agreement process, um, that don't benefit the UK. So, for instance, not being able to make its own trade agreements outside the EU, um, that to me is a valuable thing. I think the Asia is a growing part of world GDP compared to the EU, which is a shrinking uh, component, of uh, shrinking uh, in terms of global, global GDP. Um, so I don't think, I think being able to look to the rest of the world and trade with the rest of the world on agreements that, uh, you know, the UK would get for the, their own benefit as best they could, rather than being part of a collective trade agreement, uh, that sort of sovereignty, being able to choose how and when you trade with who you, who you want and when you want, is lost by being part of the EU. All right. I think that's, that's fair. Um, but wouldn't you be able to say this about pretty much any type of, of common organization? I mean, if when the UK, they, the, the people in, I don't know, London could say, well, where our democratic representation is being diluted by being uh, part of the of, of England. Or people in Northern England could say, we don't want to be part of England because our democracy is not as strong because other people who are not living here are telling us what to do. Actually, the, you know, the, the, the uh, Scotland is saying, bugger off, we don't want to be part of this. And it's it's sort of difficult to to um, reconcile this idea that on a theoretical level, if you take everything out of the conversation, yes, taking uh, being part of a union is going to take away some of your uh, uh, direct accountability and influence over the entire union. But that's the same for every uh, uh, type of union. It's, I agree. Yeah. So what makes I agree it, with that. Yeah. So, so I so in regards to Scotland, I you know I think I'm personally a proponent of uh, decentralisation. So if Scotland feel they'd be better as a, as a you know as a country in their own right, then I'm in favour of Scotland leaving the United Kingdom. It's not something that's a, a pressing you know pressing issue to me. I think people should be able to uh, you know self determine as much as possible. But that's that's so, that's enormous. That's huge. Like you would, I, I this is again this is an emotional thing, but. You would be okay with the UK dislocating 
complete like like breaking apart Personally, for this? Personally, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I don't think that's the mm. most elite people wouldn't want that. But personally, if Scotland felt they wanted, you know, to, to be independent, I wouldn't I don't think, you know, the anyone else is, has a right to stand in the way, stand in their way. All right, so let's Which push it to the extreme then, to the to the absurd extreme. What if London <laughs> said and, and and this is just I'm I'm teasing you, but what if London There's said already a friend There's yeah, but I don't think. I mean, clearly, it's, it's, it's not gonna, it's not gonna go anywhere. But um, and by the way, Theresa May, who's been uh, uh, sweared, who's the new prime minister, has done a really great job in her last speeches of saying, "All right, I wasn't for it, but now it's going to happen. The Brexit is going to happen. Brexit means Brexit, and we're going to try and do the best we can for this. And now is the time to unite the country, and we're going to be a strong country." And I think it was a great, great speech. Um, so, but however, if London wanted to leave, I mean, in France, we have the same issues with some independence and obviously in Spain, they have some independence. It makes the, the unions a lot weaker. And if London wanted to say, well, we didn't want to leave, we're going to form our own country. Again, this is absurd, but how would you react to that? How, well, to be consistent, I'd say fair enough. I don't think that would ever happen. You know, <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't. It's not something I actually imagine would they would actually want to do. But you know, to be con truly consistent, which I hopefully I am, if the London want to split off or Wales want to split off, they can do. It. I don't think it would go that far. Mm. You know, I, I think like, I, I, I personally believe smaller. You know, to a certain, I don't, I don't know the, the the correct size. I'm not, you know, I'm not claiming to know the correct size, but smaller. Smaller countries are more nimble and better able to, you know, better able to compete in terms of what they can do to attract business. So, for instance, use their tax system. So, you know, so if if Scotland want to break off and, and run their run their country a different way, and then you know, and have lower tax to encourage, well, like Ireland did with their corporation tax, or the UK constantly does with its tax to try and you know bring people in, uh, bring bring business in, or Singapore does, or Hong Kong does. It, it's these small countries that But really have nothing very well. Yeah. yeah, and then you've got the UK, which has a lot more and could possibly, you know, I don't, I don't pretend to see the future, but, you know, there's no reason the UK, I don't think, couldn't couldn't do well. There won't be, there wouldn't be pain from, there wouldn't, there will be pain from leaving the EU, but in the long term, I don't, I believe that it will, that the, the UK will benefit as a whole. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Hmm. I the 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 Ireland that you're talking about is part of the EU and they do have yes. uh, leverage on you know they can decide what they do with their taxes so you don't have to be to exit it to to have that kind of uh, of influence on the way you run no. your your country uh, so I guess no, what I you're mean, there's, hmm. so but there's other things you know VAT as a as a, a small example there are there are bans where VAT cannot be you know put below a certain threshold to EU rules. I think I believe it's fifteen percent is the lowest it can be taken. You know, the UK could, if it wants to, abolish that. You know, if it, mm. outside of the uh, and, and that, for instance, will give it. A, a, you know, in terms of if we want to boost consumption spending in the UK to boost the economy, then that's what you want to do. I'm not saying that the UK will do these things, but it can't do these things in the EU. And you know, there's certain certain rules it has to follow that make it less flexible. Mm. All right. I guess it's fair. I mean, it's it's very clear that 
um, obviously, it's absolutely obvious. If the UK was outside of the EU, it have it would have more power on deciding what it wants to do with its regulations, laws, taxes, all of this. That I'm, I'm. If we bring it down to the basic level, it's very hard to deny. I think what what makes it difficult to um, to understand is that it's very obvious for everyone who is not voting leave, who, who didn't vote leave, that you're still better off with staying in that union and the benefits from it are a lot larger from, than the, 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 the benefits that you have from being alone. And the biggest benefit of all, which I think has been discussed at length, is the this thing we were talking about the single market the free market in in the eu um there's a lot of people who are saying you can't be part of the um eu if you are not i mean part of the single market if you don't have free movement of goods and services and people and mm-hmm. i mean it comes back to the question of of immigration i think in a way but is that something that is that you would like to have more regulated the the restricting the free movement of people because everyone i think wants the free movement of goods and and services i'm guessing you you want that too right maybe you don't me personally i don't i don't want a restriction on immigration that's not i you know, I, I understand how i benefit from uh, from immigration from wherever uh, a number of people don't and i understand how they don't benefit and how it works against them um, and I understand on a national level, the freedom of people will make the country net richer, but that 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 were additional wealth is highly skewed. It's not evenly disputed uh, between you know the, the citizens of the UK. It tends to go to the is it, you know the the well educated uh, you know the the Londons, the Manchester's, the places that basically voted remain. Um, the whereas the low skilled poorly educated cannot compete with a skilled productive european citizen who comes in to you know to to be given a job yeah not to mm. be, to, yeah to take to take a job so there's no way that you know that that's not the eu's fault the fact that there's a low skilled population in the uk is nothing to do with the eu that's to do with successive governments for the past however many years but that doesn't stop the fact that at this moment in time there are a whole swathe of people who are low skilled and cannot compete with a highly skilled, you know, the, the relatively higher skilled, uh, educated European citizen who can come in and, and will happy, happily work for, you know, say, say the, not, not everyone, most, most work for a higher than minimum wage, but you know, if you, you do have people who can come in and take a minimum wage job or do a minimum wage job, um, and these people cannot compete, even if they would agree to work for minimum wage, there's no way they can compete because they're not as highly, they're not as skilled, they're not as valuable, or productive. Okay. So, 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 a- so the people, those people who voted for whom immigration, we're trying to to talk about things that are you know outside of your your specific opinions, but those people who voted leave because they thought maybe they're you know they don't have to be racists. I'm not saying they're xenophobic, but they're seeing i think that's something we mentioned they're seeing people come in and and work do the same work they do maybe better for a lower pay um i think for them immigration would be an issue would be something they would yes. like to control more right so 
Oh, I completely think, agree. Yeah. So do you think they're going to be able to, to get that? Because, again, there's no way Europe is going to say, all right, that's fine. You can have free movement of goods and services, but people, they're going to be stopped at the, at the uh, border. I don't think they're ever going to get what they wanted they, when they voted leave, are they? Or am I misrepresenting uh, this situation? No, I don't think. I, I, I don't. Anything's possible, right? Any in the negotiations, anything can happen. Politicians will will bend as yeah, bend to what they need to do to stay in power. But the I can't see a situation where the UK gets full access to the single market and uh, with without freedom of movement. I can't I can't see that. I'm you know that would be that would undermine the EU. I think too much. I don't think that. Um, All right. So given that, sorry, if you want to, okay, go for it. Uh, given no, that there's there's been a lot of discussions in last episode as well about the deception of the campaign the the leave campaign um and i'm sure you know people have been saying there was lying on both camps and that's what led me to to the conclusion that the problem is how to make reality matter how to make what is actually true have any kind of importance when everyone's just saying whatever they want and and the truth doesn't doesn't hold sway over um what people say because in this case i think we both agree it's very 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 unlikely that immigration is going to become uh regulate controlled by the uk uh and that was one of the messages that was you know that was uh uh put forward by the um by the the leave camp and i'm it it feels like the a lot of the people who went and voted were deceived were simply deceived is that is that true or well there was deception yes both sides were guilty of it in my opinion um I, I, I don't actually think the EU is going to get access to the single market. I think the immigration thing will override and they will not accept the UK uh, single market. The UK, sorry. The UK will take, I don't, they, they won't, I think the immigration thing will have to be part of what they're, what they're, uh, negotiate, what they can, can control. Mm. They, they need to be able to control it. Now, if they can't negotiate that with the EU, I'm, I think something will come along. I don't know what, but, you know, I've no idea, but I wouldn't, But it also wouldn't surprise me if they didn't get full access to the single market, primarily so they can wow, control so, the immigration. So you think immigration I, I don't know was... Sure, that's a personal opinion. Yeah. No, no, clearly, because that's something I hadn't really considered. I thought the, the, the single market is so important that the, the, and the EU is not going to cave. And so the UK, I, I don't see how the UK could exit the single market. I mean, clearly the, the, the Germans and many others are selling lots in the UK, But so you're thinking it's possible that they're going to do what they were saying, which is negotiate trade deals individually, maybe even with EU countries. Well, I, I, I don't know. I think they'd have to negotiate with the EU, wouldn't they? They couldn't do it with the individual EU countries. I don't think that would be allowed. But Exactly. So, um, yeah, I, I don't... In the worst case scenario, if the UK just ends up going to the World Trade Organization um, level of tariffs then the amount that the uk uh sort of makes 
inverted commas from pulling out of the EU in terms of its contribution actually nets out. So the, I think the cost of the UK, to, the cost of to the UK and tariffs is basically the same amount as the UK pays into the single market. So net net, the worst case scenario of just going out having no no direct access to the single market and being being outside, there'd be no direct financial difference. I'm sure there'd be other issues in terms of being outside the you know the the the, so the non-monetary issues, the, the ones you can't put hmm. to. Well, but in terms of net numbers, it wouldn't be worse off financially. But I don't think it'll go to the worst case. I don't know what the middle ground will be. But I would, given that the that the UK is in the and it's not actually a good position financially to be in, in that we import more than we export. It's just not a good not a good thing for the country to be in anyway. But given that that is the situation. It wouldn't be rational, I don't feel, for the EU to basically add tariffs that price the UK out of buying their goods. Now, maybe they will out of either emotion or just because it's the way the EU's got to be kept together. You know, that maybe the, maybe the price of holding the EU together would be for Germany and I think France to make an example to- out of. The UK, yes, somehow. So there's other, there's other, yeah. So if it's something to do with an example, that's that situation where maybe, you know, but if it's a rational situation, given that, yeah, given that one of the main claims of the Remain side has been the rational way they've looked at things, I would assume that in a rational world, the Germans and the French are not going to cut their nose off to spite their face. Maybe mm. I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe an example will have to be made out of the UK to stop other countries getting any ideas of leaving the EU. But from a rational perspective, it wouldn't make sense. It will cost, you know, cost Germany money, it costs EU money, and given that the EU is going to be whatever the amount uh, the UK pays in, worse off. But that then, would only make yeah. things worse. But then, if you, if you, yeah, okay, I was going to talk about regulations and say that if you want to buy and sell from the single market, then you're going to be subject to the same regulations anyway, because you can't sell something without having it you know, up to the standards of the regulations that apply in the EU. And I don't think people are going to manufacture two types of products, one for the UK and one from, for the EU when they're in the UK. That wouldn't well, make sense. Well, I, I wouldn't agree with that. I wouldn't agree okay. with that. See, the UK deals with the US and has to meet their regulations when it's selling into US, and there's no trade agreement there. So, And the example, one example I could think of where people will manufacture for two different markets is in cars, left-hand side or right-hand drive. Cars, you know, there are yeah, companies will do it if they're going to make a profit out of it. If they're not going to make money out of it, they won't do it. But if to be made, how they're going, to, it's worth doing. So mm. I don't believe that they're going to suddenly going to close the the market down to the EU because we don't, you know, we don't have a standardised set of regulations on certain goods. I guess so the, the other UK, benefit in terms of, yeah. in terms of regulations as well, like yeah, the, currently that the UK companies, even if they've got minimal exports to the Euro, it's EU, sorry, they still have to follow the regulations, even though they may be selling the majority of their goods to Asia, US, Africa, wherever. Outside of that, you know, if, 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 a, if a company thinks it isn't worth their, it isn't financially worth their while to follow these regulations because the, the profit is too small in the EU, they can not have to do that anymore, cut down on whatever regulations they're having to follow and maybe, you know, improve the, you know, drop the cost of the goods they're creating and export them maybe even more, you know, the, the, the lower the cost of the goods, the more they're going to sell. So maybe the rest of the world will suck up the difference mm. if it, and it, you know, if it costs them less. Okay. Again, I don't, I don't, yeah, 
no, nobody knows for sure what the world's going to be like in five years' time. You know, both sides, neither side did. Um, there are many we can all everyone can project about what they think will happen. And it will all come from a certain a certain bias, but uh, yeah, you know, I don't you know, think, I don't think. Sorry. No, I I just want to say it is. I vehemently disagree with everything you're saying, but but I I, I have to I have to admit. As much as it pains me, I don't think it's I don't think you're right, but I think it does make sense. It's not like you're you're this is the and and that's probably a good thing. This is not the the image that has been projected to me of the levers that I don't even understand how it's possible that you would think that. What I'm I'm getting from you is somebody that I disagree with but that we can have a conversation about why I think that's not the case and why they don't think that what I'm saying is the case. So already, you know, we're nearing the end of the thing, but I really want to thank you for that because it's, it's kind of a, a, an educational experience for me. Um, but I also want to talk about the leaders of the Leavers camp who have been, again, in my emotional reaction, scandalously outrageously abandoning ship in the past couple of weeks and it really feels to me like they are they're saying oh we used this argument for political gain we never thought it was going to go through now you know we don't want to be the ones that actually do it because we didn't believe in it from the start so toodaloo have fun with the mess goodbye i'm going back to the countryside um, so that's my reaction as a Remain proponent. <laughs> as a Leavers, do do you think there's some of that, or how do you how did you uh, uh, you know take the news of of Farage and Johnson basically not going for the prime ministership? Well, Farage couldn't have gone for the prime ministership because he's not right, part. I of guess the he's Serbian not party. part of the of the party. But yeah, just just leave it. now was his time to actually go ahead and make his party matter. But anyway. Go ahead. Oh, oh. He, he, Nigel Farage is, as I'm sure you're aware, massively despised in the UK by a large segment of people and probably more so than any by a Conservative Party who are in power. There is no way, come hell freezing over, that they would involve Nigel Farage in the leave process. There's no, there's no way they would, they'd, they'd have him on board. No matter how much he campaigned for leave and how much he's been the, the loudest proponent of leave and you know for the past 15, 20 years, there is no way they'd have had him anywhere near it. Boris Johnson, I get the feeling you are correct in that he didn't think they were going to win. This was a political thing, so that after the after the the uh, vote, Cameron would probably have to go. It would increase his standing and maybe become leader. The reason I, don't, I think he hasn't stood is because he realised he couldn't win, and there was no point in yeah, he was he wasn't going to get he wasn't get voted. He, you know, his main um, ally, Michael Gove, basically turned on him and stood for Prime Minister himself. So there's no point in him winning, him him standing. Um, Gove hasn't cut and run. He lost. He got, you know, he tried to, he tried to become Prime Minister to enact the vision. He's the only one, I think, who truly leave. He's the one I, I have most confidence in wanted to leave and wouldn't, wouldn't uh, backslide on it. But he wasn't going to win. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, I I don't think they've they've 
done a runner because they can't, you know, they, now now the, now the vote's in, they don't know what to do. I don't think any of them would have had any, you know, they didn't have any say in what was going on. You know, the one who, who had the best chance of actually being in a position to do anything, Gove, lost. I think David Cameron leaving is, that's more of an example of cutting and running. Um, I personally think it's disgraceful that, that David Cameron had no exit plan because he's the only one who should have and could have had a realistic exit plan. The Leave side were not government. They're a cross-party member of Labour, UKIP, Conservative, and even some Greens. And they couldn't say, we're going to do this, because they're not in power. They couldn't do it. The only people who had any power to do anything with it was voted Leave was the actual UK government who, voted, who, wanted, who really wanted Remain. And they had no plan. And that's on them. That's not on... The people making the case for leaving that's on the, the cases who are running the country who should have a contingency in place but they were so complacent and, and sure they were going to win they didn't even have anything in place yeah i guess for well so i wouldn't say it was cutting and running i think it was in, in my view he just he certainly used it for political gain obviously he's the one who proposed the referendum um but he was for the remain camp but I think what happened was that he was trying to to gain a little bit of time uh, and, you know, get the three months that he could get and get the country to uh, to to pull itself together in those three months. I'm not sure it was as, uh, you know, abandoning ship as maybe no one is in abandoning ship. Maybe everyone is in this incredible situation that they didn't think was going to happen. Uh, for most of them, and they're now trying to figure out how the hell to handle it. Um, yeah, to be um, fair, that's probably a bit unfair on Cameron to say he was kind of running, but mm. I, I think I well, do think he he doesn't want to any have to do with it. He doesn't want to have anything to do with it. That I, I would agree is a, is. And I understand. Right. I understand that. Well, I, I in his position, I don't think anyone would trust. You know, he couldn't be trusted. I'm not saying he wouldn't do his best job, but I think there'd be too. You know, I think his previous um, trips to Europe to try and negotiate things haven't gone particularly well. So uh, he's not really come back with anything that had any value. So I don't think he could have, you know, I don't yeah. think he could realistically could have argued for the leave, uh, the terms of leaving. All right. Um, last question. Uh, and then I'll, I'll leave you alone and let you go and stop harassing you horrendously. Um, That's okay. The, the, there's definitely a feeling that some people who voted leave, as I said, I think some of them were misled and some of them didn't understand exactly all of the consequences. Maybe they thought that some of it was definitely justified. Some of it was not, uh, you know, but some of it they didn't realize. We've seen a few uh, testimonies of people who just voted as to make a political point and to send a message to the to the establishment some people um said that they didn't realize it meant they couldn't go spend their retirement in in France in the house they they uh had bought you know because they are going to need a, a a visa and stuff like that now um some silly and sad things like people saying i want to go with my dog somewhere and they say well <laughs> tough you can't because now it's it's not as easy to make a dog go anyway these kinds of things i think there's a old dogs aside there's a lot of people who woke up the next day 
with a hangover in the in the leave camp. Um, so first of all, two questions. First of all, do you think that's true or is that a perception of the Remain camp? And second of all, if it is true, do you think that the referendum happening, a second referendum happening today, which is not going to happen, it's just a theoretical question, would that go the same way again? Would there be, wouldn't there be at least 2% or 5% of the people who change their vote from the leave camp? Well, I think that's perception of the Remain side, in all honesty. Okay. I, I, I haven't, you know, again, uh, speaking from anecdotal experience, I haven't met a single person who has anything other than, uh, I don't know how to phrase it, uh, ecstasy about the result. Most people who, you know, maybe I just, that's just, that's just who I know, but I don't know anyone who's had any misgivings. I know that, you know, I know there's stuff in the, the, the news, there are certain people who had misgivings and yeah, maybe some people did, did not realize what they were getting. Um, but then that seems to be the case in pretty much any democratic process. There are people who don't know what they're getting and they just vote for whatever their, their reasons are. Um, well, it's usually not, it's, it's usually not the most important question in 50 years. I think that's, you know, in, that's a little bit different. It's even more important. There is no more important political decision in any, you know, in the UK for sure, in decades. So I don't think it's, it's fair to equate it to another, you know, an election, a presidential election or whatever, these kinds of things, right? No, my point is in any democratic process, this is going to happen. And there isn't, yeah, you're always going to have people who, there isn't anything you can really do about that other than not hold elections or the election. You know, like I know the argument has been, this is too big an issue to let people decide on. I'm obviously not in that, in that camp. I think it's a constitutional issue, which is when referendum are actually their most useful and when they should be, they should be, uh, should be held. Um, both sides were appalling in terms of their campaigning. None of them were, I don't think of any, any value or use in the thought process. A lot of people went, I think, their instinct and gut instinct, which I believe is mainly a sovereignty thing, as I've said earlier. Um, I think that's what it came down to. People had to make what is essentially a gut, a gut decision on, on, on it in a lot of cases. And, uh, you know, some, some people, let's say, probably did vote thinking they, they weren't going to, it wasn't going to win. I'm sure there's people who voted, um, you know, remain who thought, thought things were going to be, or people who didn't vote at all, who thought just thought remain were going to win. Mm. Um, well, yeah. It's, in terms of your question about whether it was held again, I think that somehow a second referendum was win. I actually think the it would increase. Now that's again, that's more my just uh, guesswork. But based you on, you think the leave would increase? Yes. Okay. I do. I think there'd be a backlash against being asked to vote again because one of the things that's always been thrown at the EU in the, from the UK is how. Whenever a vote doesn't go the way the EU likes, people are made to vote again. And if they did that in the UK, I think that would that would get a backlash that would increase the leave. Mm. I, that's that's a, that's the gut feeling, but you know, I, I know how how people can get get really get their backs up about something like that. If, you know, it's I think asking I to vote again would would give I think the leave people even more ammunition. Mm. Okay, start you know like. The, the the French and the uh, the Irish situation on the Lisbon Treaty is is the classic example that's that's used. Yeah. And if it happened, and that's that's why I don't think they'd hold it again because you know 
Uh, yeah. No, I don't, the UK I don't has think... promised a referendum a number of times and by the, by politicians and never got it. So to then, you know, after like 15 years of people saying we want a referendum, to then turn around and say, oh, you've got the right <laughs> answer, do it again. I, don't, I think they'd be an absolute – you think people don't trust the establishment now, which which I don't think they do, that would that would basically light a new fire under the moat, I think. All right. Okay. Well, that has, as I was saying, it has been highly educational. So thank you very much for, for agreeing to come on the show and discuss these things with, with me um, and hopefully um, educate a few other people other than me as well. Um, is there any, any place, anything you want to promote, anything you want to say, or are you happy just remaining anonymous? And uh... No, I, I, I have nothing to promote okay <laughs> i wish i did it was just a, a a very valuable public service that you performed so uh thank you very much very yes much I, I i thought it, i thought i needed a good uh, attacking on social media so i thought i'd come, <laughs> come online <laughs> and, and voice my voice my probably not very popular opinions in the social media world yeah all right well thank you very much for doing so i'm i'm definitely i definitely think we're all uh better for it um so that's going to be it for this uh, small follow-up episode um it is this one is not part of the patreon uh paid quote-unquote paid episodes but uh if, so because i think it's a follow-up to the previous one i think both of them together form kind of a whole so i'm not going to make this one uh register on patreon as well uh however if you think that there is some value to to this show um if you think it's a an interesting part of your month when it comes up and uh, if you think that you might be willing to help us out you can go to patreon.com slash the Phileas Club and become part of the wonderful patrons that make this show possible um, I, I often say that you know this show is is not a show to argue I know we argue and discuss things on the show a lot but I think the main value of the show is to listen to what people have to say and ideally to listen to what people you don't agree with uh, have to say. And uh, too often in our world, in our you know social interactions in the media, it's, it's either we listen to people that we agree with or when people we disagree with say something, we're not really listening, are we? First of all, often because... Because the way the media is structured, they, they're shouting, so it's hard to listen to. And uh, also because we just don't like listening to things we disagree with. So hopefully in, in this show, we present things in a way that is uh, uh, interesting, entertaining, and, and fun and, and casual enough that you get a chance to, uh, to hear from different people. That's the goal anyway. And uh, if you think it does that a little bit then I've accomplished my goal. So thank you very much for uh, contributing if you do. And if you don't, thank you for listening. Uh, again, the biggest thank, uh, thanks goes to uh, Hayden. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show, for willing to take that step, for taking the risk. And uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. And uh, whatever happens, we'll be back in a few weeks with another regular episode. Uh, my name is Patrick Beja. We're, I'm not Patrick on Twitter, not Patrick on Facebook. And the show is available at frenchspin.com. Talk to you next time. <laughs>